0: Take your Bibles. Listen, as we hear the piano, as we hear the voices, as we've sang today, um, don't apologize for the tears. If, you, if the Spirit doesn't touch you this morning, listen, it's red hot in the building, something's wrong. Amen? You're probably lost today if you're in the building. So we're going to speak very candidly. I believe that we should speak the truth in love. Would you agree? If you, something's wrong, your house is on fire, you have cancer, whatever it is, somebody should tell you the truth. Would you agree? And this morning you came into Town Creek Baptist Church because your grandma made you come, your mama made you come. Somebody bought you a new shirt or a new dress and said, come with me to church. Whatever the reason that you're here today, I believe God has a purpose and a plan for you to be here and to hear exactly what God wants you to hear. This may be your last chance to hear this message. So let me be clear today and I pray for clarity as we preach the word of God that you would hear from every person that speaks today. Knowing that they were inspired by God with this miraculous encounter we have of our living God, the Creator God. If you can believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You should have no problem with John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And if you're going to be a distraction today, I'm going to walk down and call you out today. Just for the record, we know we have children. Children don't distract me. Crying doesn't distract me, but teenagers and those who know better. You distract me if you're playing on your phones or talking to your neighbors. So today's a very serious day. I will walk down today, and if I embarrass your family, that's not my intent, but I'm telling you ahead of time, don't be messing around during church today. We have a gospel message to preach today. We have a Savior, a living Savior to worship today, and if you're messing around, I'm coming down, and it's better to go ahead and walk out the building if you don't want to see it or hear it, okay? Or just control yourself, get serious with God for one time in your life, and let's look into the Word of God. So let's look at John chapter 20. You can't help but read this passage of Scripture, and it's a glorious day, but we're not staying here. We're not camping out here. We want to see it's a matter of a record in all the Gospels that our God is living. Amen, church? He's alive and forevermore. Now, let's go to chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday for us today, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to the Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to him, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, just for a side note, who was at the tomb guarding the tomb? The Pharisees had gone to the Roman government, they had gone to Pontius Pilate and said, listen, those disciples of his, listen, he said he was going to be raised again the third day, they're going to come and take his body, and Pontius Pontius Pilate said, didn't you go put guards... At the tomb, you secure it and it was sealed shut. The tomb was like a cave, not like a a grave today we have. It would be a cave inside of a rock face and with a huge stone, bigger, uh, probably a a ton's weight to keep animals, wildlife, everything out of the tomb, it would seal the tomb shut. And not only was it sealed with that huge rock, it was sealed with a wax seal of Rome saying whoever trespasses in this tomb is going against the government of Rome. If you went against the government of Rome, what would happen? There's a cross right there, right? You go against Rome, you're going to be hung outside for everyone to see. And the crosses were there on a regular basis. When I was younger, somebody said, only Jesus died on the cross. Let me encourage you this morning. There were multiple, multiple people dying on crosses all the time during the Roman's occupation of Jerusalem. It was a way to insult you, to show everybody in town, and, and, and it's recorded that Jewish men, Jewish women would walk by those crosses and say, son... Never cross up Rome because that's where you'll end up. That was where the worst, most vile people would end up. They would put them on display. It was the electric chair glorified, if you will. It was, a moving, it was a visual picture of what would happen when you crossed up Rome. So the Pharisees asked the government to seal the tomb. They gave permission to seal the tomb with Rome's seal and with guards. So when you read the story of Mary, you have to go back and read the other Gospels. We don't have time for that today. But I want you to go back and read the other Gospels. The, the earthquake, there's a great earthquake that happens. And it's caused by these angels, these men who have sent by God. And Jesus didn't have the tomb. We told you this last week. They didn't move the stone away so Jesus could get out. They moved the stone away so the disciples could get in. They wanted us to see, have a visual picture that there's a witness. There's more than one eyewitness that Jesus is alive. He's not here. So Mary was confused. She goes and tries to help finish the burial process because the Sabbath happened. He was, we know that we, we celebrated a Good Friday together. We know that the Sabbath, the Jews had to stop all work. They could not do anything. And then they, she was going back on the first day of the week. So that's how she shows up. But she runs in and tells Simon, and Peter, and, and John. And John speaks in such a third-party way that he didn't want to announce himself, but he speaks of himself. He brags a little bit. Look, at this is human nature telling the story of Christ. And John gets a little jab in it. Peter, watch this. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, that's John, and we're going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And watch what John adds in our This is how these how competitive. Remember John, before Christ changed his life, he was called what? What did Jesus call him? He and his brother. Sons of Thunder. That's what he was called. That sounds like a biker gang, doesn't it? These guys were rough. Uh, these guys, were they were men's men. And yet John speaks in a very humble way. And you'll see the love of John that Jesus changed his life. Jesus changed him completely. But he brags a little bit because he's still competitive. So verse 4, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb. How about that for an extra? He came to the tomb first, and he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that was, had, had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that's John, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. That's key. It's not, a matter of, it's not enough just to see. You must see or hear and believe. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And it could have been because what time of morning is it? Still dark. The, the sun is not risen in the shadows in the mornings. If you get up early in the morning, you'll know this. Jesus, verse 15, said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed uh, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And that he had spoken these things to them, to her. And, and I put in there, no more weeping, right? The angels asked, why are you weeping? Then Jesus asked, why are you weeping? It's past the time of weeping, uh, tears of grief. It's now time to cry tears of joy, of celebration, because Jesus Christ has risen. It's forever changed the world, if you will. It's changed our calendar, right? When Jesus came into the earth, we know that we preached in, at Christmas, his name shall be called. Emmanuel, how many of us know that? God came to earth so that he might save sinners from their sins. God is not playing games with the church or with people today. God's not playing with the nationalities today. He is no respecter of age or person. He came to save sinners. That was his purpose. There are people who would accept the message of Jesus Christ and be born again. We can sing this morning, and I can sing, I can tell you from personal experience, from the word first, but from my personal experience. He saved a wretched soul like me. Headed for hell, he saved me and forever has placed me in heaven. He changed my life. He gave me this as the title of the message is, Walking in Newness of Life. Am I perfect? The absolute answer is no, but neither are you. People don't want to talk about and brag about the victorious life. None of us are living fully the victorious life today. We still sin yesterday and we'll do something tomorrow. We're like, oh Lord, it's all over again. I want to get away from this mess. The newness in life is what we just sang about. It's actually when Christ died, you and I died. You haven't died fully to sin today because you still will sin today. You'll leave this service. or might sin in here. You might have turned in this morning and said, hey, somebody put the sash just right on the cross. Somebody didn't have the whatever might be clean properly like I like it. There will be always something that we'll complain about as humans. Too hot, too cold. Whatever it might be, we're always like windshield wipers. We're never satisfied. But there is a God who loved us, and listen, he made a way, he made a purpose and a plan. That was his plan before the foundation of the earth, that we would know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that we could be saved forevermore. That's good news, isn't it? If you're saved, it's good news. Easter, you say, Happy Easter, we won't argue about the word Easter. Does it come from a pagan holiday? Get over yourself if that's your argument all the time, okay? It does. It comes from his char. We know that uh, you don't find the early church, the first church celebrating Easter. It's not in the Bible. Easter's not in the Bible, so therefore, it is a holiday that we celebrate to commemorate. We call it Happy Resurrection Sunday because he is the resurrection. He is alive. That's why we celebrate. But to say Happy Easter is nothing wrong because the world knows it as Easter. And why is it happy? It's happy. When we say happy birthday, what do we mean? It's your birthday. You have life. Listen, we enjoy that you're here. When we say Happy Easter, we know, listen, hey, we're telling you, listen, it's a good day. It's happy because Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. That's why it's happy, but I got news for you. There's bad news every time there's good news. There's bad news. should give you the good news first, and I did. The good news is the gospel, that Jesus Christ did die on the cross for your sins. He did die to take away your sins, that you could be completely made right in him. But here's the bad news. It's not happy Easter for you if you're not a Christian. If you're just walking through life saying, well, this church attendance today, I'll go to church, I'll get a free lunch out of this whole thing. Maybe somebody's going to take me to lunch. It's a sad Christmas. it's a sad Easter for you. It's condemnation for you. You're gonna walk out of here judged completely by God. The Holy Spirit should rip your heart apart saying, You are guilty of sin. Amen. And those of us that are Christians can walk out of here and say, You are guilty of sin, except that Jesus Christ took your guilt and your shame on the cross. You've been forgiven. No longer judged, no longer guilty. Christ took my payment and your payment if we would put our faith and trust in Him. Isn't that a good Savior this morning? That's the newness of life we're talking about. Well, we've seen Mary take that picture. Now, if you would, go with me quickly because of time. Go over to Romans 6. Paul is talking to the book of Romans. He talks to the church at Rome. He's speaking to them about sin. He tells them very specifically, this is what sin is. And we all know what sin is. Even little children know what sin is. Because you can tell my grandson, we were on vacation. We were all in the family. And he would look at me, my youngest one, how old is Zeke, Wendy? Two. He'd look at me and do, go to do something around. I said, "Don't you touch that." What happens when you tell a child, "Don't touch that"? A two-year-old, and you do this right here. What happens? The world falls apart. Ah, right, meltdown. That's what I did. Don't touch that. He did it. I popped his hand. Just melts completely. Them. Well, none of us are any different. Just, have you seen an adult meltdown when they get told no? I've seen a bunch of you act like crybabies when you didn't get your way, right? Have I ever done that? Yes. This is what I wanted. This is what I had planned, and you're changing my game. There's crybabies all in the room today, right? You don't have to tell a two-year-old not to sin. When you say no, he understands or she understands, that's no. And what do they want to do? They want to do it anyway. And they'll go and do it anyway until we correct them as parents, right? A good parent disciplines their children. There are bad parents today, by the way. Have you been to Walmart lately? You'll see them all around. They'll count, honey, that's one, honey, that's two. They've done ripped all the Captain Crunch out of the aisle. They flipped all the pancakes syrup about, and the mama's still counting, And that's one, that's two. And sometimes you just want to intervene. Anybody ever want to intervene at Walmart? Just take take the belt out and just slack that kid one time and say, she said no. That's what she was meaning in all that interpretation. You just want to be an interpreter for the mother, Right. I digress. Let's keep going. It's about Easter. Let's go. Go to Romans 6. Paul's talked about chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. He's talking about sin, sin, sin. Everybody's like, okay, got it, Paul. Wait a minute. Are you telling me I get this grace card and I can actually pull it out anytime I want to sin? I can go live like the devil like I used to live. I can go drink, party with all my friends. I can do all the old stuff I used to do because now I'm covered by grace. That's how some people live. I get saved so I can sin. Every time I sin, grace grows even more. They misunderstand the scripture. Why? because they're sinful beings. They still like to talk the way they used to talk. They like to walk the way they used to walk. If there was a playboy in high school, they want to be a playboy after school. If they, if they were somebody special, if they were the head cheerleader and they wanted to be all the attention on them in high school or whenever it might be, they want it all after high school and after college and after career. They want status. They want to be accepted socially. Isn't that right? We have social media today, one of the greatest ills of mankind is social media and these devices we carry around. Satan is with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Kids are being, and I know there's kids in the room today, but kids are being exposed to pornography, and parents are looking the other way. And it's grasping our children because sin abounds. Well, if somebody says, hey, well, I have grace so I can, God just forgives me. He does forgive you. But Paul answers this question, and this is from God, because Paul is speaking on behalf of God, beginning verse chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Or God forbid your translation might say, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, this is not water baptism, by the way. This is actually the baptism where the Holy Spirit comes into our life, and he's actually made us new. Okay, do you understand? Old person living like hell, living like the devil has now accepted Jesus Christ, and we've been baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. He's made us new. Paul explains it. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Water baptism that we do on a regular basis does not save you. Get that through your head, okay? Water baptism does not save you. It is an outward expi- a, a, a picture of what's happening on the inside of you. You're basically saying, hey, look at me. I've accepted Jesus Christ. Hold me to the Christian standard. And there is, by the way, church, a Christian biblical standard. The world has got it all mixed up, and maybe you have it all mixed up today. You want to talk church when it's church time, and you want to cuss like everybody else when it's time to cuss, right? There's no time for cussing for, for Christians. There's no time for partying and drinking for Christians. It's time to be the people of God and be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's time for us to stand up and be who God's called us to be. Quit playing games because God is not playing games with us. Well, watch verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Say newness of life with me. Newness of life. That's how we're supposed to walk today. Are you walking in newness of life? Look at your spouse and say, Am I walking in newness of life? Look at your friends and say, Am I walking in newness of life? Is it evident in my life? Y'all didn't want to do that. Go ahead and look to your spouse. Y'all can talk secretly. Look to your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever you got with you today. Am I walking? Do you see evidence that I am a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Not am I perfect, because all of us fail that test, but am I, is there evidence in my life that I'm walking in newness of life? Now, it doesn't really matter what they think, for the record. It matters what God thinks, because this is God's plan. This is God's purpose, not their plan or purpose. You ever been that age of 15 to 18, and you didn't, know, you don't know what you're going to be in life, you're starting to wonder, maybe it's even a little bit younger, and your grandpa wants you to be this, your grandma wants you to be this, and your mama says, honey, you're so good at this, you should do this, and your daddy says you should do this, and everybody has a stinking plan for your life, and they tell you what you should do, and you're so confused, more teenagers are confused by the time they get ready to go to college or to the military or to the workforce because they don't know what to do. Everybody's speaking into their life, and when I counsel with young people, I say, listen, Listen to everybody's counsel really good and then block it out. And get one-on-one with God and say, God, what is my plan and purpose? What do you want me to do with my life? Because you've been gifted uniquely with your life. Rick Warren's book, The Purpose-Driven Life, was one of the greatest successes of any book besides the Bible that's ever been printed. Why? Because every stinking human being, and that's who we are because we're sinners, right? We're good for nothing. We sing about a wretch. He used to say worm as I... We're, we're all confused. There's people in their 60s getting ready to retire and still don't know what they're supposed to do with their life. There's people confused. They don't have purpose and meaning in their life. And they've left out Jesus because I'm too busy. I mean, y'all have said that too many times. Pastor, I would be at church or I'd be in that small group. But Lord, Pastor, I'm just so busy. And I've told you, I, I pray if you're so busy that you can't serve God that you would lose your job and be unemployed. Right? Wouldn't you rather be unemployed worshiping Jesus than you had been working and walking away from him? You can't, listen, you can't love money and the master at the same time. Jesus himself said that. Let's continue. He's going to explain even further. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old man, that's the sinful man that we were born, mama gave birth to the old man, okay? And that's old woman as well. He, that's the old self. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Amen, amen, and amen. Listen, that's good news for us. Now, verse 8, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. That's why we talk about with our Catholic friends and our Episcopal friends, every time they have communion, they actually, they believe this thing happens of a transubstantiation that the actual wafer becomes the actual skin of Jesus and that the actual juice cup or the wine actually becomes his blood. There is no priest, there's no man, there's no magician, there's nobody on the planet that can actually turn a cup of juice or wine and bread into the body of Christ. He says, I will die no more. It was a once and for all death. Amen. No matter what any man says, no matter what person says, listen, no matter who teaches you, Grandma, whoever it might be, lovely, respect them. But listen, that does not become the blood of Jesus Christ. It does not become his body. Listen, he's died once and for all. How many times must you be saved? we got our, our Baptist friends who believe they can actually have the freedom of actually, there's a, a group of us called Free Will Baptists. And they believe they have the free will to accept Jesus Christ and their free will to deny Jesus Christ. And then next Saturday when they get all their... Whatever they're doing, bad stuff done, or sin done, they can come back to church and get saved again on the next Sunday morning. They're like windshield wipers as well. Can I be saved? Can I be lost? Can I be saved? Can I be lost? Here's, here's, here's the good news and the bad news. You cannot be saved and then be lost. You cannot. The Bible says, Paul says in Romans 8, 35 through 39, what can take you from the hand of God? He lists all these different things, death nor life. He goes through the gamut of things that we would say in life, Well, this might take you out of God's hand, or maybe if I sin too much, or there is a blasphemy. There's a sin unto death, the Bible says. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, saying when Jesus calls you to himself, saying, receive me today, you you hear that inner voice, that that calling, drawing you to Jesus, receive this message because it's true, and you deny that truth. You walk away going, I can't, because if I do, i got to give up all my stuff. That is the sin, that is the sin unto death. That is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When he speaks to you, and says, be saved And you turn back around and say, no, not today. You either receive Jesus Christ or you will reject Jesus Christ. There is no in-between. There's no ifs, buts, or or ands of that. You will receive him or you will reject him. You have received him or you have rejected him. Let's continue in Scripture. This is actually a good word from God. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, was he raised from the dead, church? Yes, he was. He does no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. How many times, church? How many times must you be saved, church? That is correct. And baptism is only once as well. If when we're going to Israel, hopefully we're going to the next year. We're going to be going taking a trip to Israel, and whoever wants to go, will I be baptized in the Jordan River? Probably not, because it's a once for all. Will I get in the Jordan and swim? Probably so. Uh, but will we baptize in the Jordan? What's the purpose? That's where Jesus was baptized. Don't make a hill of beans, right? If you never get to go to Israel, will you ever be baptized in the Jordan? This message was global. This was not just a wait till you go to this. You got to make a, a, a path, be a path to Israel and be baptized in the Jordan. It's to be saved and be baptized where you are, in a dirty pond, in a dirty creek, wherever you can be immersed, in a, in a pool, in a swimming pool, wherever you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you follow through a believer's baptism. But again, baptism does not save you. It is just being obedient to Christ, and I have followed him all of my life. Hold me accountable. I want to be held to the Christian standard. That's what baptism shows everyone. Well, Let me speedily finish reading this so we can get to the notes, so you can take these home and, and hopefully use these. Verse 12, there, there, uh, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but where are you, church? You're under grace. Some of you need to repent before a holy God and lay your phones down. Some of you need to crush it with a hammer because you have gone to the altar of sin and you've sinned against Holy God on a regular basis. There's websites. There's things you continue to look at. You can't stop. Listen, destroy your phone before your phone destroys you. Destroy that sin, that, that relationship before it destroys you because, listen, play the game if you want to, but every dirt road has a split. You will make a choice. Will I go this way or will I go that way? And listen, the right way, the way that you go with God is always the right way. You can't deny that. But if you go and take the sin way, the sin choice, listen, you're going to reap its results. It's too late when the marriage is broken. It's too late when the child has run astray. It's too late when someone's committed suicide. It's too late when all the sinful choices have happened and the results or the consequences are out in public. It's too late. Don't let it be too late for you today. If you came today, you hear this truth. It's not too late. Today is the day to walk in newness of life. Today is the day to surrender. That's a give up. That's the white flag of surrender. My heart, my life to Jesus Christ. Take it, Lord. i leave it with you. I can't do anything with this. You don't need me, a pastor, or a priest to tell you that. The Word of God tells us that. Transition, if you would, quickly to your notes. Let me show you this. Christians cannot help but celebrate today. Amen? It is a great day of celebration. The founder of our faith, the author of our salvation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is our God. Amen? That's who we serve. We serve a living God. We can never be the same after having a salvation encounter with Christ. If you look the same as you do, if you get saved on Sunday and you look exactly the same on Monday, I don't think you got saved. I think you had an emotional experience. There's people that can whip it up and they can talk you into it. And if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. Amen? This is not selling used cars. This is not selling you a product. This is actually giving you the free gift of salvation, offering it to you in the clearest terms we possibly can so you would understand that Jesus Christ wants to save your soul. How many times have we heard that before? Anybody heard that more? How many Easter's have you been in church? We talked about this last week. I think the Braggs had the record. What'd where are you, Richard? How many Easter's about? You need to count those up. 83 Easter's. And the message is the same every Easter, isn't it? Because we get it out of the same text. Listen, we're reading a text that's 2,000 plus years old. God is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. Jesus Christ, is Hebrews 13.8 says, look in your notes. This is good news for us, y'all. He changes us from the inside out. We walk in the new life. You walk in the new life. When it comes to your business deals, when it comes to your home decisions, when your relationship decisions, it is the new life decisions that you're making. This is not some kind of cultic attitude. This is actually a Christ attitude. We follow what Christ does. What would Jesus do? We talk about that, don't we? We teach our children what would Jesus do in that situation. And we try to help our children along. We act differently. We speak differently. We'll go through your notes. God raised Jesus from the dead. He has absolute control and victory over death and hell. There is nothing. By the way, he created hell, just for the record, okay? So there's no people say, well, did Jesus actually go into hell when he died? He went to the place of the dead, and I believe he preached and said, hey, on the righteous dead, he said, hey, boys, ladies, I am who I said I am. I did come, and here I am. You get to see me. But remember, the rich man could see over to Abraham and speak to Abraham back in the day. Jesus told the story, and I believe as Jesus uh, spoke, he said, I am who I said I am. You guys did right. The righteous dead, you're going with me. And today in paradise, you're with me. That thief on the cross He was right there with Jesus. He goes, I saw him. I was there, right? Not that Jesus needs a witness, but he had many. And then the unrighteous dead, they saw him as well, that he actually, listened. oh my goodness. It is true. There was a Messiah coming. He did die for our sins, and we chose to live the sinful life and be unrighteous instead of living the righteous life. And they, forever, they'll never complain in hell. They'll never be, I can't believe I didn't get a second chance in hell. Never. There'll be always that, I remember that time that preacher said that. I remember when my mom was saying those words. Over and over you'll repeat and you'll rehearse for eternity in torment that someone told you about Jesus and you walked away from him. You rejected him. Listen, it's never going to end. This isn't just some myth. This isn't some story we're telling. This is the truth of the word of God. Revelation 1.18 tells us he has the keys. Matthew 28.18 tells us he has all authority in heaven and earth. And that's when he told us as disciples, as his disciples, followers, you go make disciples of the whole nation. And we'd say, but Lord, how? How do we do it today? What's practical for you and me today as Christians to go make disciples of the world? You know how it's practical? We start next door. We tell our neighbors first. And then we go and get our, we get our passport, right? Just in case God wants me to go to the other ends of the world. Those Jewish men that heard that that day and those women that heard that, guess where They went. America was the end of the earth back then, did you know that? We were the uttermost, and the message came across the pond to you and to me today, and now we have the charge, we have the ability, and we have the beautiful opportunity to take it back and take it north, take it south, wherever God sends us. We have the chance to live the messinal life. I want you to see this in your notes Mary met the resurrected Jesus and personally knew who he was john twenty fifteen through seventeen she didn 't go. She misunderstood he was a gardener because of the voice. She's weeping. She's crying. It's dark in the morning. It wasn't because he looked differently. She knew who Jesus was when he spoke. She heard his voice. And Jesus even taught that my sheep know my voice. And I know their name. I'm known by God. Isn't that good news? It is for two of us. Amen. All right. That's good news for two of us. Whoever said that. Jesus made the way for Mary, his personal disciples, and his disciples today to be dead to sin and alive to God. If you say, I struggle all the time, welcome to the club, right? The bus on the side says struggle bus, right? And we're going that way to heaven, to glory, right? All the way to glory, we're going to have flat tires and muffler falls off. We have a valve skip every once in a while. There's going to be all kind of stuff from here to there before we get there that we'll have issues with. So you're not going to be perfect if somebody says, and there are people who teach that you will become perfect when you become saved. They lied to you. Do you still live with you? Galatians 5 says the spirit wars against the flesh, right? The Holy Spirit and your flesh are always at war. I want to do bad. Paul even says that the things I don't want to do, I do them. And the things I want to do, I don't do. Now, he wasn't saying I just love sin swimming in it. He was simply saying I struggle. There's that fight going on for all of eternity. You all fight it. It can be private. It can be public. When Jesus died, the Christian died. He was buried. The Christian was buried. When Christ was raised from the dead, the Christian was raised from the dead. If I give my life to Christ today, I don't die to sin today. I died to sin 2,000 years ago. I just happened to get on God's plan today, His purpose of receiving Him as my Lord and Savior. I don't actually... Believe in the resurrection. I don't have the resurrection today. I had it two thousand years ago when Christ was resurrected. That's why I can say Happy Easter because I'm joined in, not based on what I've done, but what He has done for me. Isn't that good news? It is a gift of God. He's a good God. The Christian's old life was crucified with Christ. The Christian has been set free from sin. The Christian has not been set free to sin. Your want tos change. You're cleared. Before God, but your want tos want to do the right thing. I want to live for Christ. I want to read the scripture. I want to pray. I have all these desires to be more and more like my Savior. If your want tos aren't there, you need to do a checkup. If you're not a Christian, listen, you won't want to do any of this stuff. You're like, hurry up, shut up so we can go eat. But if you're a Christian, they say, I'm struggling here. First, check and see are your sins confessed? Have you been obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ through believers' baptism? Baptism always happens after you believe. Some people get baptized as a child and say, Later on in life, when I was in my 20s, I got saved. When were you baptized? Oh, back when I was 8. Can a child be saved at age 8? Yes, they can. But don't blame that little kid for something you didn't do later on in life because you're embarrassed or because you're an adult. You always receive salvation. When the gift comes, when God says, Listen, today's the day of salvation, you're saved that day and you're baptized after that date. That baptism that happened to that child does not, if you will, count. There is no, by the way, infant baptism in the Bible. That's a man-made event. A priest cannot wash away your sins. So many Hail Marys and so many our fathers will not take away sins. That's a man-made restrictions that God, that men's, put into place. Jesus said, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." That applies to the sinner as well as the saint. There is no man, there's no intermediate. Hebrews says he is the high priest. The Bible tells us to come boldly before his throne. When I talk to God the Father, I speak with him in reverent terms for sure, but I go straight to him. Right? I have access 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and he hears me. He hears me. And if I pray the wrong thing, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says this is what he meant to say. Right? He's always saying something. This is what he meant to say. And Jesus says, listen, Satan accuses the Bible. He's he's called the great accuser. And Jesus is like, died for that. Died for that. Every time there's accusations against you and me, died for that. Died for that. There's not a sin Satan can mention that Christ didn't die for. Amen? We serve an awesome God. Jesus died once and for all. The debt that he died, he died to sin, ending its power and paying the sinner's debt once and for all. And that the life that he lives, he lives to glorify God in unbroken fellowship with him. You say, well, how can that be? The answer is, I don't know. I just trust it. Trey's here this morning. Trey fixed my awful tooth. I had a crack in my tooth. And he said, you've got to preach Sunday, right? Because I, I had some of that military degrade. I think I had titanium in my tooth that he was drilling out. It was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. But he was tender. He, he always says he has big hands but small instruments. And as he repaired my teeth, I'm like, "Mm, man, it was sore the next day. I slept all day that day, Trey, by the way, just for the record. I'm going to become a wimp. But today I feel great. And listen, I know it's been made right. I can eat normal. I can actually act normal. Well, whatever normal is for Clint Smith, right? Uh, But it's been made new. Well, it's been repaired. He can't give me new teeth, but he gave me, it looks like a new tooth. Christ does better than just give you a crown, right? He gives you a crown of righteousness. He makes all things new. That's why we can walk in the newness of life. It's not a situation where you go, I, I just, I'm just a hoboing through life. I'm catching the rail, right? It is, it's been made new. The conductor is King Jesus, and he's taking me where he wants me to go, and I can follow him all the days of my life. That's the God that we serve. Let's finish up the notes. Christians have received God's favor and his mercy. Jesus ended sin's power in the Christian's life, Ephesians 2, 8-10, through 10, he tells us clearly we're saved by his grace that he gives us, by the faith that we put in Jesus Christ, and for the works that he has written out for us to do. We have job to do. The Christ follower through the power of the Holy Spirit can and must master sin. Sin no longer has dominion over the Christian. Galatians 5, 24, and 26 Read what it says. If you submit yourself to the flesh, you will do fleshly things. You'll do those sinful things. If you submit yourself to the Spirit, you'll follow the Spirit and do what He tells you to do. You can't live this Christian life by yourself. He lives it through you. Don't forget, He lives it through you so that you can actually worship and bring glory to the Father. Jesus' resurrection gives the the Christian spiritual liberty to live the new life. This is the unmerited grace of God. We don't deserve it. Unmerited means you didn't deserve any of this. He just applied it to your life and said, Father, put it on my account, and that's what he did. He saved us. He justified us. He cleared us from sin's track record, if you will, and now daily he's sanctifying us, setting us apart. That would be more and more and more like Jesus. That's what this new life is all about. The new life in Christ is the victorious life. The Bible tells us at the end of the story, and Christians have the victory over death through Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good news? Thank you. I'm glad one of you are excited about it. Who is that? Hey, Mary Beth, thank you. The Bible, let me read again. Maybe you all misunderstood. I spoke too fast. The Bible tells us the end of the story, and Christians have the victory over death through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. That's true from the Word of God. Finally, Christians should be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, being continually aware that our labor, is not, labor in the Lord was not wasted. Our labor in Christ is always with a purpose. That's the scripture Kristen didn't read earlier. She stopped at 57. Verse 58 tells us, hey, keep on keeping on. Don't get tired. Put your hand and shoulder to the work. Get exhausted for the kingdom of kings. Listen, I'm not talking about just church attendance over and over again, but I'm talking about the keep on keeping on. That, listen, Jesus Christ is coming. And so many people on our planet today, it's all about what's out there, what's in it for me. We live self-centered life instead of God-centered lives. Even Christians can get caught up in that if we're not careful. But here's what God wants for our life that we walk in newness of life. Used to when we used to baptize. Sometimes we'll say it. We're buried with Christ in death, raised to walk in newness of life. That only comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? For the Christian, that's good news. For the unbeliever, that's bad news. And you all know who you are. That's the good thing about this Christian life and the non-Christian life. You can look in the mirror and you see that person. Christ sees not just a reflection. He sees your heart. You have a job to do today. you got a job to celebrate and worship Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you're living on that newness of life. You're like, amen, this feels so good. I'm set free. If you're that Christian rebellion, you've got to go fix those relationships. You've got to follow through believers baptism. Whatever that sin is that's holding you out, you've got to get right with God. And if you're not a Christian here today, listen, you got it. This is not happy Easter. This is very sad Easter for you, right? This is a sad day because this is judgment day. God has put the hammer down and said, listen, this is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to heaven except through me. And when you get on the road through him, what happens is that path is narrow, and you gotta cut off all the Broadway stuff. Isn't it amazing then to Hollywood that it's called Broadway. You know why? All that entertainment, all the movies, all the music, everything that has a star on Broadway is somebody who's led somebody far from God, not to God. The Broadway is wide, it's fun, it's party party. Whoever says sin's not fun lied to you. But they didn't tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is sin has its judgment day. There's payday someday, and it's coming soon. Amen. Listen, today's happy Easter for us, and I'm gonna be so I'm gonna stay with the believers this morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's good news, and we have a good day to celebrate. Celebrate with your family and friends. Go out and tell the world. And those of you that aren't believers today, I'm sorry for you. You know the truth. You've heard the truth. You can never stand before God and say, I didn't know. I never heard. Matthew 7, read it for yourself. If you're not a Christian today, read Matthew 7. If you're a Christian that plays these games with God, or you think you're a Christian, read Matthew 7 today. It will shock you into reality the most... Shocking scripture in all the Bible to me is Matthew chapter 7, where so many people did religious stuff, and he says, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of sin, of iniquity. And he cast that person into the lake of fire. Yo, this is serious stuff. This is not mythological. This is not something made up. This is serious stuff. And we here's the good news. We can walk in newness of life. Let's pray together. Father God, as we have heard the truth this morning, as we've had a chance to worship you and tell you what you're worth and Thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, in the very words of saying thank you, Lord, we pray for our family and friends that are far from you because, Lord, today's the day of salvation. If we can hear this message and walk away, and as Mr. Bragg mentioned, 80-plus years of Easter. There's people that's been in this very church that's had many, many years of hearing the gospel story, the celebratory story of Easter that Christians all over the world are celebrating today and still walked away not knowing you. What a sad lot in life, Lord. Help them, I pray. Give them some kind of clarity and breakthrough in Jesus' name today that they might see you and hear you and respond and receive this free gift of salvation before it's too late. Let us as Christians encourage one another in this truth. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen.